honkin, honkin, stonkin, fucking raking. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Geordie. How are you? How the heck are you? Uh, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I think I asked first, but that's okay because it doesn't no fucking matter. I literally can't hear you. That's because I accidentally pressed the wrong button. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was like, shit, the headphones have gone already. <laughs> we are so fucking professional, Michelle. Here we are straight off the bat falling flat on our faces. A week after we had lauded our magic music man, Tim Cedar, for helping us. And here we are, back to... And this is why you have voted for us for Listener's Choice. Now, the voting <laughs> has now closed. I have just done a massive push as of the time of this recording, which is five days before end of voting. Michelle, you ought to do the same. Just hit up Jen and all the gang to see if they might vote for their favourite podcast. And if not their favourite, then at least this podcast, please. Yes. You know, hit the hit the vote button. Make sure you then go to your email to then hit another button. It's not an easy situation. No, you don't need to tell them, Michelle, because it's done and dusted. It's over. It's over. So we won't even know now. We don't know because this is for the future. Yeah, that's true. Come on, get with the program, yes. Michelle. We are playing with time, space, continuums here. We are. We're actually in the future, effectively, the past and the present all at once. We are the Akashic Records. We are. Maybe that's what we should call this <laughs> podcast from now on. Eavesdropping the Akashic. Akashic. The Akashic sisters. <laughs> I don't know. That's ridiculous. The Akashic. Akashic. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? The Akashic Records. I just don't quite understand it. You know, I said on that episode last week when we were discussing the Akashic Records, if you haven't listened to it, then obviously go back. I knew what it was, but I've only recently heard about it. But obviously, if it is not written by Mr. Akashic, as you said last week, Michelle, if it is a real thing, then it's been around forever and ever. It's not a written thing. Who first discovered it? I'd like to know more. And I was right about anthroposophy. I can't even say it. Anthroposophy. It is linked to the Steiner way of teaching and learning. Okay. Well, back to your a little discussion on the Akashic Records. Don't you think it's a little bit like the earth forming, you know, the first human, chicken and egg? Like if there's no beginning and there's no end and everything is written, then who wrote it? Who are they? Who are they? Or who is it? Who is it? People might say <laughs> that this is basically the Akashic Records is, is God. Is it the Matrix? Well, I prefer Matrix rather than a biblical kind of element. Yeah. But who knows? These oh, are deep knows. philosophical questions that my brain cannot handle right now because I've only had half a cup of tea. Oh, okay. Well, you're going to need more than that, although it's a bit early for tequila. Honestly, I'll do shots any time of the morning. <laughs> Day daytime. This is a woman of leisure. I've got so much time. I've even got time to watch telly and I have a telly wreck. Oh, go on then. Maybe the Australian listeners will know all about this. I'd not heard about A, the book, or B, the TV series. Is it The Secret? The what? The Secret. The Secret. I think the that's secret. a little old. It's not a brand new, <laughs> just okay. released situation. No, it's a, it's a series called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Oh. It's set in Australia, but it has Sigourney Weaver in it. Mm. It's absolutely gorgeous what a beautiful series it's so beautifully shot I mean I have to give you a trigger warning it's all about domestic violence but it's beautifully done my god it, every single episode is like a cinematic extravaganza actually the last episode hasn't dropped and that is going to be an absolute humdinger and wow. I can't wait. So, but actually, by the time this comes out, it will have aired and I'll be talking all about it again next week because it's okay. really moved me. It's very emotional. It's an emotional ride, peoples. Good God. Okay, well, if you want to join in the convo, and I think I'd like to do that too, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a bash. I started watching something the other day with my friend Tim and my husband. We watched 
and I don't think Tim was too keen on it, to be honest. The Righteous Gemstones. It's a kind of comedy, American comedy based on evangelical, super rich, super church family starring John Goodman and the guy from East Side and Down, is it called? I can't remember. And principals, Danny McBride. It was great. I liked it. Intriguing. Okay. Maybe I'll give that a go. You can tell it's autumn because we're watching TV again. Well, speaking of the weather report, because, you know, we can't have an eavesdropping episode without a weather report. I think it should only be linked to embarrassing incidents like last week's weather report. Oh, where I have miles out and you missed it. I didn't. I'll never forget it. (laughs) That little moon globe. (laughs) trotting away in front of you (laughs) what's the weather michelle we had fucking snow oh snow in august in august what the fuck is going on with climate change it's terrifying moving right on i I also want to talk about you had spoken a few episodes ago about well my god it was a shocking news report about a whole load of people getting syphilis from a souffle ah was it fake news i think it is geordie well i did some research for the show notes right and if you can't find it, Michelle, it doesn't exist because you are the super sleuth. <laughs> True. Well, I did do some sleuthing for an mm. upcoming story in this very, very special News Drop slash Listener's Choice episode. Which is what you're listening to now, dear listeners. And by the way, I'm Geordie. And I'm Michelle. You're eavesdroppers. You are eavesdropping on us. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, speaking of listener's choices... I want to tell you a little bit of news that came my way via one of our very best researchers and all-round hot guy. Is that what we call him? Al Teggett. He is a researcher. He's not a unicorn. He's an all-round hot guy. All-round hot guy. Handsome. Older man. (laughs) (laughs) You're really selling it here. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. He, like us, is over 40 is all I meant to say. Right, Al Teggett. He wants you to change the tags for him the spelling is wrong you spelt his name wrong and that way his growing legion of fans via this very podcast can find him because Al Teggett the other day was asked by someone who is a listener who we don't know are you the same Al Teggett as I hear about who's not a unicorn all-round handsome man (laughs) and researcher on eavesdropping the podcast and he was. Well, I thought I'd been spelling it right, but do you know what? My autocorrect, both on computer and phone, does fucked up things. The last 10 years, I've never been able to spell F-O-R. It changes to F-I-R. So I'm sure it's autocorrecting our ticket as okay. well. So I will go back. There's a little bit of work to do there, Michelle. Soz. Yes, mm. I'll try and do that. Because we owe it to him. He sent us so many fabulous stories over the, over the years. And he's been a super supporter of us as well. Thanks, Al. And thanks to all the fantastic fans out there who are recognising our researchers day to day. Why don't you bloody recognise us in the street? No one stops me at the train station. I've been stopped. I even get a toot, but it is from down the posty. You got a toot. You got stopped at the train station. Oh, that's the girl from eavesdropping. I know. What can I say? It's because I'm like Madonna. I look different every day. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to just give a shout out to another one of our researchers. Neil yes. the scientist it's his birthday Neil. happy, happy birthday, birthday Neil happy birthday to Neil bum, 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 bum. and for anyone who was not around the 80s that's altered images that's a song from the 80s shout out shout out you're getting a shout out so Michelle this is our news dropping slash listeners choice episode where we're going to bring to you A melange of bits and pieces that we have received via our listeners or via just coasting around the internet. I want to call this episode apparently, allegedly, especially in the wake of our fake news story that I gave as true about the semen souffle. (laughs) So let's talk about 
this. This is not current or controversial. It's controversial, but not current. Okay, so on April the 25th, 1977, and I don't know how this suddenly landed in my lap, quite literally, a Japanese fishing trawler in waters east of Christchurch, New Zealand, caught an unidentifiable creature. Have you ever heard of this, Michelle? No, I haven't. It's horrifying. When I saw the pictures of this, I almost fell off my chair. So let me tell you all about it. The crew reported of the ship reported that it had a 1.5 meter long neck this creature they pulled up in their net four large reddish fins and a tail about two meters long the thing had no internal organs as the chest cavity brace yourselves and gut had opened up from decay however and still there's more bad words coming the flesh and fat were partially intact sorry if you're eating juice dropper now Are we thinking aliens? Are we thinking mutant? What are we thinking here? I'm thinking mutant. I'm thinking... Alien mutant. (laughs) Well, it didn't occur to me it might be an alien mutant, but it did occur to me that it could be some long lost or undiscovered species. Anyway, they do go on to talk more about that, I'll tell you. Despite the potential biological significance of the discovery, the trawler's captain made the decision to throw the hideous mutant carcass back into the ocean in case it ruined the fish haul. Because it fucking stank, Michelle. It reeked. Jesus Christ. So it honked. It was honking. Honking, honking, stonking, fucking reeking. Now, (laughs) did anyone from the crew have any theories? Yes. Any tots and theories on it? Tots and theories. Well, luckily they had a chance to take some photos and sketch the creature, which they named Nessie. (laughs) They also measured it, took samples of the skeleton, skin and fins for further analysis by experts in Japan. So they did have some forethought about this incredible find. And once this trawler got back to Japan and the news got out, a lot of companies attempted to retrieve the corpse, but it was never again found probably got eaten by some you know carefree i don't know yeah shark one professor was convinced the remains were of an assumed extinct or prehistoric okay. animal specifically a plesiosaur go look it up but and you'll like this michelle because you're engaged to a swede a pair of swedish scientists however were not so convinced They looked up other discoveries of similar Dead Sea creatures that looked like plesiosaurs. And once they had been examined, they were revealed to be, like the previous finds that they thought were plesiosaurs in the past, they were revealed to be just decomposed, unusually large sharks. And it was also noticed that plesiosaurs, what are they called again? I think I'm saying it wrong. Plesiosaurs breathe with lungs so they would have to emerge from the sea to breathe like a whale it wouldn't be yeah so undiscovered for so long if you see what i mean if they had to keep popping their heads up we'd have seen them before oh man what do you think because i'm some thinking creature some kind of creature dropped from an alien craft back from the future i mean you do of course you do from the future from an alien craft of course that's what you think well let me tell you what the swedish the boring swedish scientists came up with they suck the joy out of everything don't they they suck the fun <laughs> well, you know <laughs> well listen generally the entire scientific community are convinced it was the carcass of a basking shark And these ones are the ones, if you Google these, they're horrific. They've got the enormous mouth open. In fact, when you Google it, you know those questions that pop up at the top of Google saying things like, who is he married to or how tall is he? In this occasion, when you put basking shark in, it says, can they ever close their mouths? Right. So they must always have this mouth open, but they do shut them. Um, They're about 50 feet long. Oh, my God. Those things, which is long, long, long. And they're not very dangerous. So they think it might have been that. And it was so decomposed, you couldn't really tell what was left of it. You know, it stank. Yeah, but they've got the bits of flesh that they could do DNA testing and analysis on. Surely that's going to reveal some clues Surely. right there. No, they don't have any flesh. They didn't keep any flesh. They just did photos. I thought... Oh, no, maybe they did. I thought you said they... No, you're right. They had they some could, bits. They had some bits and pieces. Bits yeah, and pieces. So right. Yeah. But listen, here's some fun facts before we move on from this story. The opening scene for Lost World Jurassic Park, which was ultimately cut from the film, showed a Japanese fishing boat accidentally hauling up the badly decomposed remains of a 
Parasaurolophus. <laughs> that's what it is, which was inspired by this incident. And that's actually a land dinosaur with a weird hammerhead. So it's nothing like what they pulled up. And the carcass is also mentioned in the credits of the 2014 film Godzilla. Why, I don't know. Haven't seen it. Won't ever, by the way. And that's your cryptid for the week. Wow. So, and this was off the coast of uh, New Zealand. Yes, where the Japanese like to fish. Okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> is that controversial? I don't know if that's controversial, but you made it sound like it I was did. dodgy as fuck. Yeah. They like to fish. They don't tell anyone. No, because that reminded me of a news story I read last week, and I'm going to get the facts wrong because I just skim read it, that a new continent was discovered oh. off the coast oh. of New Zealand. Yes, continent. Yes. So I think it's all part of tectonic plates, shifting, you know, breaking. Uh, Releasing crazy things. Is it Pangaea, Pangaea, Pangaea? Pangaea. I think it's all to do with that. They said it's been hiding in plain sight, wow. but they've just recently made that discovery. And I will link the shit out of that. Imagine how beautiful that might be. Well, it's under the water. Oh, I see. And actually, I read another scientific article about the water on the Earth's surface is basically fuck all compared to the water that is, I believe, between the crust and the magma. Somewhere in our layers, there's a hole. So there's an invisible ocean, even bigger. That could basically give us our water needs forever. Wow. If we could tap into it. Well, that is current and controversial, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think humans can actually <laughs> drill down that far yet. Don't tempt them because they will. Okay, I'm going to move on now. Here's a story sent by a listener. Shari, hello. She noticed my boob on the latest social media. Your boobs? My bo- Do you remember we did a social media post and I had a boob hanging out? <laughs> you had your ass out. I had my ass out. You had your tits out. Anyway, Shari. Thank you for all your comments, all your lovely ideas for stories that you send in. I picked this one up and ran with it because it's been quite global news. My information came from Shari and via The Independent. It's about the Australian woman accused of poisoning her dinner guests with mushrooms. You must have heard about it. Oh, I haven't, but we love a mushroom story. We're all about the mushrooms. This is 48-year-old Erin Patterson. She was questioned and released without charge by police recently, but I don't know where we're at as of recording. Three of her dinner guests died and another... What? Yes. Oh, my God. I thought you were just going to say they got sick. No. It's quite a big story, Michelle. Three of her dinner guests died and another is seriously ill after eating a beef wellington that she made for lunch at her house in Victoria on the 29th of July this year, 2023. She's divorced from her husband, Simon. The lunch was supposed to be a church-mediated gathering to help figure out visitation rights for her two children. Therefore, the people at the lunch were her in-laws, Simon's parents, Gail and Don Patterson, both 70. Gail's sister was there, Heather Wilkinson, 66 years old. And Gail's husband, who was also the local pastor of the Baptist church in the area, Reverend Ian Wilkinson, 68. All four of her elderly guests fell violently ill that night from suspected mushroom poisoning. Oh, my God. My head is churning full of thoughts about... Yeah, thoughts and theories. Yes, I can imagine. This doesn't sound like an accident. Let's just say that. Watch out, Michelle, because, well, things have been said. Let me tell you what. (laughs) So ex-hubby Simon's parents, Don and Gail, sadly lost their lives, as did his aunt Heather Wilkinson. They died a week after they ate the lunch at Erin Patterson's house. Reverend Ian Wilkinson, however, is fighting for his life in hospital, awaiting a liver transplant. Luckily, the ex-husband and their children ditched the lunch at the last minute. The kids went to the movies but ate the beef wellington when they got home. They didn't like the mushrooms, so mum Erin scraped them off. Weird. She fed the mushrooms to her kids. No, she took the mushrooms off, but she gave the food to the kids, the dish, the beef wellington. She gave the beef wellington to the kids. Later. She already knew that they didn't like mushrooms? Yeah. I don't know all the details. Okay, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. Hold your thoughts. Hold your thoughts. According to police, Patterson is considered a suspect because she cooked and served the mushrooms, which she claimed she had bought from the local shops. 
And apparently, Michelle, she is an experienced wild mushroom forager. However, she said she used dried mushrooms she bought months earlier from an Asian grocer and the fresh button mushrooms were bought recently from a local supermarket. So she did a mix of dried and fresh. But Australia's intrepid Nine News network contacted all the local grocery stores in her area in the town of Leongatha. I don't know how you pronounce that. That's in Victoria. Longatha, Leongatha. I don't know. Don't know. That's where she lives. Plus a farmer's market and none have reported recalls on the mushroom products. And major supermarkets say there have been no products taken off the shelves and no reason for concern to customers regarding their mushrooms. According to reports, she was in the hospital talking to her children about a dehydrator, which you would dry mushrooms in, when her husband said, Mm. is that what you use to poison them? Oh. Afterwards, she then admitted to police that she had dumped that dehydrator at a local rubbish depot. Why? Don't know. The police have now discovered it. They've got it in their possession. You know that dehydrators are really fucking expensive. I've got one. I know you do. They're not that expensive, I don't think. They are. I think they're they're like a few hundred. Well, maybe they're <laughs> Swiss prices. I think they're about 40, 50. The one we've got's massive, too big. It's unnecessarily big. Back to this lunch. Erin said she served the others and allowed them to select their own plates before taking the last plate because obviously she's the only one who didn't even get sick. Right. Everyone else is dead or waiting for liver transplants. But did she eat the Wellington? Did she? Well, it says that she did. But there's only one survivor from this and he is, maybe she made two. I mean, who knows? (gasps) That's possible. The swapperoo. Exactly. The mushrooms were believed to be death cap mushrooms. Probably the worst of all ones if you're going to kill someone. But now reports have emerged alleging Erin's ex-husband Simon Patterson had told a friend he believed he had been poisoned by Erin in the past. Apparently, that's why I want to call the episode apparently and allegedly, a social media post from June 22 last year, Simon said he almost died from stomach problems that left him in intensive care. Now, that post has now been taken down, but apparently it said that his family were asked to come and say goodbye to him twice in hospital (gasps) and he had to have three emergency operations. Oh, my God. Mm. So she is... If it's true. Possibly has form. No stranger to a bit of the old rat poison in a souffle. In a souffle. (laughs) She could be innocent, Michelle, and she's absolutely swearing up and down that she is. Now, she did say that once she learned that her dinner guests were sick, she preserved the Wellington and gave it to toxicologists. But she did refuse to speak to police at first, which made her look guiltier. But she claimed later that this was because she was given bad advice, which she now regrets. But there's something else weird about this case. The police Mm. investigating told the US NBC News that the police statement that was provided by the Australian ABC News Corporation was actually from Erin's legal team and not from the police themselves. Oh. A bit of weird stuff going on there. I don't know. Make of it what you will. That's all I've got. Go away and ponder that, but don't go too soon because I have another story for you. I will just say on the whole legal team and stuff, you and I, we love a police procedural. And I feel like I've watched so many that... You could do the job without the quals. Well, obviously. (laughs) But I also feel that if I ever got in trouble, I feel like I know how to protect my rights. So maybe she's watched a lot of telly and she's like, I'm not talking to anyone without a lawyer. I think she had real lawyer advice. I think she did have a lawyer. She lawyered up big time yeah. for that. Well, these people died. It's massive. So Yannicka, yeah. all the way over in Amsterdam, sitting in her bathtub. She's got a real bathtub now. No need for a blow-up tubble anymore, Yannicka, for your pussycat to put his claws into. (laughs) She sent me this Times article and I looked up the Daily Mail to find the story. I'm going to give you a trigger warning. It's to do with assisted suicide. It's very interesting though. This man has appeared in court in Canada after doing God's work, in quotations, because he's been assisting people to take their own lives. Now, the UK's National Crime Agency has gotten involved, plus forces around the world, including the United States, Italy and Australia. They're all currently investigating 
deaths which may have occurred as a result of Canadian chef. Watch out for these bloody chefs, I tell you. <laughs> Kenneth Law. He's been sending packages of a drug that caused death to people around the world who have contacted him through a disguised website. So this guy Law, he's a chef. He's aged 57. He was arrested and detained in Ontario, where he's from, and charged with two counts of counselling and aiding suicide in the deaths of two Canadians after allegedly selling 1,200 packages to 40 countries. But he's only being done for the two deaths currently. So there's still 1,198 others potentially dead. I mean, you know that Switzerland is the land of the assisted suicide. Dignitas, yes, they do. But the laws in Canada, Australia and maybe other countries as well, are different, let me tell you. I mean, there's a whole ethical minefield here. Well, the NCA, which is the UK's uh, crime agency, they could not confirm the chemical allegedly sold by law was the direct cause of 88 deaths in the UK alone. Oof, okay. It has been found that 272 people in the UK have purchased the chemicals from law's website in a two-year period up to April this year, 2023, and British police have visited hundreds of addresses in an attempt to trace buyers across the country. Let's face it, if you're selling packages of whatever it is to help people die, that's not Mm. necessarily just for suicide. To your granny that you want to knock off. You could murder someone. Exactly. It's not just for personal use. Yeah. Really scary. Well, the NCA have also said that at this early stage, there are no confirmed links between the items purchased from the website and the cause of death in any of these cases of the 88 people. But the agency have offered their condolences and are giving support to those families of those affected who have died as a result of purchasing the packages. Okay. This case came to light after Law spoke to an undercover reporter from the UK Times paper where he said that many, 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 many of his customers had died over a period of two years. The Times also claimed Law had sent the substance to hundreds of people in dozens of countries. Also in this Times story, it was revealed that Law apparently started selling the poison after seeing his mother suffering from a stroke. He told the reporter... We are not advanced enough as a civilization to accept death openly. I hope I'm just being a little bit more enlightened. But Michelle, sadly, one of his alleged victims was a 17-year-old boy from Michigan in the United States called Anthony Jones. He had a change of heart after taking the substance, but it was too late. It's really sad, and this is a trigger. He allegedly ran into his mother's room at 3 a.m. after taking the substance in a state of fear and begged her to call the emergency services because he had decided that he he really wanted to live. Oh. It was too late. Oh, my God, that's heartbreaking. The majority of news agencies have declined to name the substance, so I also won't reveal it, but it is out there. And like you said, it's dangerous because people could just murder their granny, like you said. But the substance is actually being sold through retailers. But the law is that they have to alert authorities if they believe the substance has been bought to cause harm. This all sounds a bit weird. It's very cryptic. It's just a thing you can buy that also causes death. Wow. It basically reduces oxygen levels, impairs breathing, and like I said, can result in death if consumed in sufficient amounts. So Law is now being accused of using five websites to market and sell the substance, allegedly for £47 a pop for 50 grams of the stuff. UK coroners and police apparently contacted Law about the chemical being used for suicide, but allegedly this fell on deaf ears and he carried on because it is illegal, like I said, to assist suicide in the UK and Canada, and it's punishable by up to 14 years in prison in both countries. Now, all of his websites have been taken down since May 23 and the hearing was adjourned until September the 8th, which is when this episode will come out or thereabouts, I think. I just want to quickly say in light of this heavy story, if you or someone you know is having thoughts of ending their lives, there are emergency crisis call centers where you can talk to someone in most countries. And I've done a bit of research in the UK I'll always tell people that you can call the Samaritans on 116-123. In the US, there's Lifeline on 988. And in Australia, you dial 131114. 
If you're in another country, please Google suicide prevention crisis helplines in your country for your local center. These lines are run by trained people who care and they're there to listen. There's no shame. There's no judgment. In case you know of anyone who may be suffering from thoughts of suicidal ideation, no need to go on dodgy websites. This guy, I don't know what he had to gain, but he was making money out of it. And that, to me, isn't the helpful society member that he claimed to be. Yeah, I'm in two minds about this because if what he said is true about watching his mum suffer, then I think there is an opportunity for people who don't have means to actually end their own lives and can't think of doing it. This is an easier way to do it. To go to Dignitas, it's very expensive and there's a lot of things you need to put in place. But it is possible. It is there. But like I said, it's expensive. This is 49 quid and you've got an option. But we're talking about people who are locked in, people who are suffering from life-limiting illnesses and who don't feel like they have any quality of life. I get it. I mean, I'm not going to say whether I would condone or not condone such an act, but then there are 17-year-old boys who are taking it because they're, you know, they're going through something that really they should be talking to someone rather than going onto a website and spending the money on something that will end their lives. But it's exactly the same argument for guns and for anything that can potentially end your life. Knives, acid, any of it, it's all about the intention of the person in whose hands it is. And we can't control that. We can't police it. No. And also it's, like I said, it's an ethical minefield, which I can't wrap my head around because there are so many pros and cons for or against. But I will tell you that I spoke to a friend recently who, he was in hospital. He'd gotten ill and there was a guy in the next bed who was driving him absolutely fucking crazy. What did he do? Like turn up his drugs to shut him up? He said to the, the nurse came round to do her rounds and he said to her, that guy in the next bed is driving me fucking mental. And he said, listen, give me a pillow. Come back in the morning. I'll God. sort him out. Bloody hell. And she looked at him and said, I'm really sorry, but that's a threat and I have to report it. Oh, my God. He got reported. So his bants got him reported. It went all through the hospital that he had basically threatened the life of the guy next to him. Wow. Did the guy know? Well, I think so because then he also had said, shut the fuck up to this guy who did actually quieten down for the whole evening. Well, because he was scared for his life, clearly. But it was a little joke. That's dark though. He's not going to put a pillow over this guy's face. But the moral of this story is be careful what you say to nurses. Yeah, because they don't know you're not the guy who's going to do that. I guess he could be Dexter. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Now I'm just going to give you one last little bit of information which is going to lighten the mood. Okay. You may not think that when I start to tell you, but it's about Jim Carrey. Do you remember I said about Quora popping into my inbox and I found this wonderful story about Jim Carrey and his near-death experience while on holiday in Hawaii. Hmm. And I got my info from Quora and the enemy because Quora, as great as it is, isn't always the factual source that we'd like it to be. Jim Carrey told Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show that the cover of his book, Memoirs and Misinformation, which was published in 2020, shows his facial expression after being told that he had 10 minutes to live. What the fuck happened? So this happened in 2018. Jim Carrey and his daughter were together in Hawaii when the emergency alert system from Hawaii sent a text to all mobiles in the area saying, Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. How fucked is that? Imagine getting that text. Recently in the UK, we had that. There was a test day where Mm. everybody got sent a, a loud siren. What you're supposed to do about that, I don't know. And why? Why are we doing that? Mm. Is there something we don't know? Mm. It's quite frightening. Carrie's assistant then called him in tears to tell him about this missile heading his way and they FaceTimed each other and that's when she accidentally pressed the click button and, and clicked his his face <laughs> <laughs> when he heard it. And he said his brain just started winding, perhaps trying to figure out a way to save themselves. But when he realised he was unable to get off the island with his daughter, he remembered thinking, I don't want to die in my car. So instead... He made peace with it and looked out at the ocean and thought about what he could do with his last moments. 
So he began to reflect on all of the things he was grateful for in his life. And he said, I could not stop thinking about the wonderful things that have happened to me and the blessings I've had. 40 minutes later, another text was sent to explain that the original warning was sent in error because the wrong button was pressed by an employee. (laughs) So that's when he got the idea for the front cover of his book. Brilliant. He said about that, the cover is somebody staring at infinity, staring at eternity. And it wasn't panic. It was more the feeling of, wow, that's weird, huh? That's how it's going to end? Strange. That's from Jean Carey. I need to find that picture so I can see the look on his face. <laughs> so, And I will link that up as well. Do. Wow. I loved all those stories. Thank you for finding those. And thanks to uh, our listeners. It's from your goose. We're playing fast and loose. So tell me the facts. We give the back the act. I'm only doing listener's choice today. Okay. And full disclosure, all three of the things I've got today are from our witchy, wonderful spell lady, Safka. Wonderful. Big shout out to Safka for being so amazing on the email and sending us all this great stuff. This one's for you. She sent this really great video, which I'm sure I'd seen back in the day, but had completely forgotten. It's Ricky Gervais. Oh, as a teen heartthrob in his goth band. Well, it was more new new wave. New Mm. wave, new romantic. I mean, he looks slim. Spit of David Bowie. Yeah. Not even joking. He was fucking gorgeous. And in fact, Safka calls him a new romantic drop dead rootable spunk rat. (laughs) (laughs) She's away with words. (laughs) She does. And it's a band called Shona Dancing, spelt S-E-O-N-A. Shona. Shona. Shona Dancing. But you know how... Uh, YouTube always serves you up other things. Yeah, There was this video of Ricky Gervais talking about David Bowie and how David is his absolute hero. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched Extras, but he got David Bowie for an episode yes, on Extras. I did see. Yeah. Do you remember there was that song that David started singing about? In the him? bar. In the bar. Yes. And I'd forgotten all about it. Chubby little loser. <laughs> and then he's like, no, 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 no. Pathetic little fat man <laughs> yes. with a pug nose face. It just goes on and on. Ricky Gervais is there just dying in the corner. I was crying <laughs> with laughter. And it turns out that Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant had written the lyrics and given the lyrics to David Bowie. And David Bowie of did course. the music and sang it. I'll put a link to it because it just brightened up my days. So the next thing I have is an interesting case, actually, again, from Safka. Like I said, I feel I need to dedicate this episode to Safka because she gave me this. It's a hometown homage. In her email, she said that she remembers this Canberra story and it has always haunted her. And she said it scared the crapola out of her as a child. Like I said, she's got a way with words. I am going to have to give a trigger warning here because this story, it's a little bit grim. Oh, God. Okay. Buckle up and actually not a good thing to say when you hear the content of this story. But buckle up, people, because it's not good. I'm taking you back to October 31st, 1987. In Canberra, when the Canberra Times reported on a grisly case, a forestry worker who was out working near the Cotter Reserve in the early afternoon. Oh, God. You must know where the Cotter is. I do. So, forestry worker goes out working. He was actually spraying blackberries, I believe, near the Cotter Reserve early afternoon. He discovers an early model brown panel van with New South Wales plates on it. You know what I'm thinking already, right? No. What year was this? 87. I'm thinking Ivan Ivan Milat. Yeah. No, it's not Ivan. In a way, it's kind of more grim. Back to the New South Wales plates. For anyone who doesn't know, in Canberra, which is the Australian Capital Territory, we have our own ACT plates. We're not part of New South Wales. And it's not unusual to see New South Wales plates, but you do notice them immediately. The panel van, which again, 
It's so puberty blues. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Safka loves this movie. It's the seminal Australian 80s coming of age film where girls are called fish face moles. They're not allowed to surf. It's very Australia in the 80s. Wow. Fish faced. Fish faced mole. Anyway, I'll put a link to that. This brown panel van appeared to have gone down an embankment. And it ended up near a dirt track beside a place called Paddy's River, which is off Paddy's River Road. I guess this forestry worker must have realised some shit had gone down. Yeah. And something gone wrong for that car to have ended up down there. Because when he went down to investigate, and honestly, Geordie, I'm sure he probably wished he hadn't gone down oh, there. God. Because what he found... And trigger warning here. Oh, Michelle. Put down your juice. Turn off if you don't want to hear this. What he found was a decapitated couple <gasps> sitting upright <gasps> in the front seats of the panel van. Oh, my God. Headless. No heads. Oh, God. The police initially thought it was a double murder. But pretty quickly, they came to the conclusion that it was a bizarre double suicide pact. How? Well, I'll get to that, but in the article that I found, a senior sergeant had said that the heads had been found by police, but they were not going to reveal where they found the heads. What? Which, for me, is strange because, think about it, if they're in the car and they were strapped in yeah. by their seatbelts, sitting upright, where the fuck else are the heads going to go except in their laps? Or on the oh. dashboard, right? You've silenced me. I'm sorry. There, there are further revelations on those heads. Also inside the panel van was a blood-stained mattress in the back. Oh, no. Which they don't elaborate further on. And I don't know if that means anything, but it doesn't sound very fucking nice. On the following day, on Sunday the 1st of November, because Safka had sent me a link to that first article. There's another article in the Canberra Times, 1st of November 1987, that reported that an autopsy was going to be conducted on the couple, who they now named, because before they were an unknown, yeah. who are these people, mystery. They named them as Mr. Michael Gibbons, who was 28, and they called the woman in the car, his de facto wife, Ms. Deborah Ann Lindstrom, who, Geordie, she was only 22. Oh, God. They then say that the pair killed themselves using an elaborate suicide method hmm. that the police in Canberra had never seen before, um, which used the panel van to kind of orchestrate their decapitation. Oh, God. The report says that, like I initially thought, the couple's heads and a length of rope were found in the van and it was believed but not confirmed that the police thought that the rope had been tied from a tree <sighs> and then around the couple's necks Oh God! and that the panel van was then driven down no. the embankment, which then sliced off their heads. Oh, I'm God. so sorry. It's so grim. And then somehow the heads didn't end up on their laps, as I thought. Because they were tied to a tree. The rope was tied to a tree. Is that it? No. Well, the heads were in the back of the panel van. It would be in the back because if they're driving forward and the rope is behind them around their necks, they're going forward. The rope is standing still. So they go forward. The head stays behind, right? Yeah, but... Is the seat, I mean, is it going over the top of the seat back? And it, with I'm assuming vans, it would have come off with quite a bit of force in order to get a head off of, sorry. I know. And if it's rolling down the embankment. But it couldn't be rolling. I'm hoping their foot was, if they were doing this, I hope they were doing it quickly. I hope so too. Also with paddle vans, do they not have a, a barrier between the front kind of chassis and the, and the back panel vans i'm not sure i don't know if you've got a panel van get in touch and let us know because i'm trying to get my head around the mechanics yeah. of how this happened after the police conducted interviews with relatives of michael and deborah they said that there was strong circumstantial evidence that did suggest that the pair had put together this really fucking well-planned suicide method before they beheaded themselves, 
it's believed that both of them, both Michael and Deborah, had wound up their affairs, which the police in 1987 basically took as a green light for a double suicide. But Geordie, I did a little digging. Of course you did. And I found some very peculiar Facebook posts from eight years ago. Facebook? Yes. Facebook posts from eight years ago on the Haunted Canberra Facebook page where people were talking about this case. And look, obviously it's Facebook. It's hard to know what's fact and what's fiction. But this one guy called Wayne Rattenbury, he said that Deborah and Michael weren't actually together as a couple. And in fact, Deborah was having an affair with this guy, not Michael, a different guy. And when she told Michael that she wanted to break it off with him because she'd met someone else, he beat her up, put her in the panel Mm. van, (gasps) strapped her into the seatbelt, strapped himself into the seatbelt, set up that whole fucking elaborate beheading scenario with the tree. And this guy, he also says it wasn't rope. He says it was telecom wire. Yeah, well, that would make more sense. That would make more sense to me. To be garroted. Yes. That's a beautiful word. I mean, not a beautiful word, but that's a perfect word for this scenario. So Wayne then goes on to say that he knows all this info because the guy that Deborah had met and that she wanted to be with. She was having an affair with. Yeah, she wanted to be with and then call it quits with Michael to be with this other guy. He was a family friend of his, this guy Wayne. Right. And he also says that he knew a guy that was a news reporter that was out at the cotter at the time and must have given him the info maybe about the telecom wire. Then he goes on to say that he doesn't know why it was reported as a suicide because from what the family friend said, Deborah was forced into that panel van. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that the guy who was the family friend said he was forced into the panel van as well. Huh? So who was next to her? Not Michael. In the car, Michael and Deborah were garroted, beheaded. But Michael didn't do it. Michael did. But isn't he her ex? No. So Michael is the guy that she's with. Yeah. But she's having an affair with another guy. She's having an affair. And she tried to break it off with Michael. So Michael beat her up and put her in that car And he put himself in that car and then drove off the edge. Now, what Wayne is saying is that the guy who she was having an affair with is his family mate, family friend. And that that family friend was actually in the car that day, but managed to escape. Oh, my God. And that's why he knows the story and has told this guy, Wayne, what really went down. And that's why he said Deborah didn't want to be in that car. She was strapped down. She basically, Michael then killed her and killed himself. And in the comments, I also read that somebody else had said, this was not a double suicide. This was a murder suicide. Right. Deborah Lindstrom was murdered. And like I said, I don't know if any of these comments are true or not, but on the 2nd of November in 1987, There was another Canberra Times article that said police were investigating the theory that Deborah might not have been a willing participant in the double decapitation because some of her relatives had spoken up and basically said they didn't think that she would do that willingly. But apparently Deborah, and I'll remind you, she was 22. No. She supposedly had made a will two weeks earlier, which the Uh. police say suggested she might have been considering suicide. Right. Now, the report also said that the pair were known to police. So I did a little more digging on that. And it turns out that Michael was alleged to have kidnapped and assaulted a Canberra man and was out on bail at the time the pair were decapitated. Oh, no. So this guy was potentially facing a 14-year jail sentence. So he was feeling loose and kind of nihilistic anyway. And freaked out. But also, Jordi, turns out Michael had also been charged with aggravated assaults just weeks earlier on two women. (gasps) Oh, God. Yeah. So Michael's not turning out to be sounding like a, a good guy, right? No. So these two women that he assaulted were called 
Bernadette Mary Ibel and Gillian Ibel. Yeah, sisters. I guess they were sisters or mother-daughter, who knows, but they're related. And this guy, Michael, was further alleged. This really is the alleged episode. (laughs) Apparently and allegedly. Apparently and alleged. So this guy, Michael, allegedly also kidnapped a guy called Stephen James Ibel from his house and assaulted him. So I think these assaults and kidnapping of these three related people all happened at the same time. Yeah. Now, when I read the names of these people that were assaulted, the Ibels, yeah. I went back to the Facebook post and there was a fucking post from Stephen Ibel. Oh my God, what did he the say? The guy that was assaulted and kidnapped by Michael. And he wrote this. He said, I'm the ex-boyfriend of Deborah. Ah. And apparently, allegedly, uh, <laughs> Deborah had gone out with this guy, Stephen, before she'd gone out with okay. Michael. And Stephen says in this post, it lives like it was yesterday. Went and visited Deborah on her 30th. She was 21 at the time. And people don't know the real story behind it all. They think they do. But he's alleging or alluding here to the fact that shit went down that people don't know about with this case. Honestly, I think shit did go down because Michael fucking assaulted that guy. So maybe there is some truth to Deborah being murdered. But he didn't say what? Stephen Ibel? No, he didn't. And honestly, I was really tempted to... To phone him up. Not phone him up. I'm not (laughs) going to phone a friend. Like, no one's doing that. To reply to his Facebook message. Yeah, but then I would have had to have used my name yeah. and I don't know. It, it gets a bit scary because one of our hometown murders where we knew a murderer and then realised he's actually out, you do feel like, oh, yeah. am I digging into the past in scary ways? Because I was tempted to comment to Stephen Ibel like, hey, what went down? If you want to talk, I'm here. Tell me, you know, would love to talk about this. But also there's part of me that just thought, I do not want to be stirring this little shit pot up. So basically, Safka, the story that haunted you and scared the crapola out of you, it is fucking terrifying. Yes. I'm not sure if you, Safka, had seen those other news reports where the two people were named. There were details all of this assault, this guy, hopefully this has given you a bit more clarity on what went down. But ultimately, it's a very unsatisfying ending because right. I don't have any conclusions. Lots of questions. Someone needs to make the movie. The movie. <laughs> that sounds like a really good uh, story, although obviously there's no ending to it. No one really knows what happened. But apart from some people, I think there are some people who know a lot more. Like who was the guy that escaped from the back seat? If that was true. Exactly. Well, this guy, Wayne Rattenbury, he knows. It's a family friend who gave him the scoop. And so someone out there knows something. Get in touch. Mm, I doubt it. (laughs) That's amazing, Michelle. Thank you for that. And thank you, Safka, for writing in because you know how we love it. We love it when you write in. So that's incredible. Thank you to all of our contributors and listeners. And thank you also for all of you who did manage to vote for us in the listener's choice. Because it was a faff. You had to press the button. You had to click. You had to find us. Then you had to go back to your emails and you had to verify. We're going to ask you to do this again for us next year, mind you. So We will. Yeah, keep listening. Keep writing in. And above all, wherever you are. Whatever you do. Just keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.